podcasting from Minnesota, one of the largest and fastest growing tech regions in the country. I'm your host, Manasi Legankar, a student aspiring to be the next Elon Musk, but better and with morals. This is In Technology We Trust, where we explore technological advancements said to be for the betterment of society. But are they really? episode, we will be looking at Neuralink from a different perspective, the perspective of a teacher, Miss Rudy's. Before we get further into the episode, I wanted to talk about Miss Rudy's background. Miss Rudy's is a teacher at Wayzata High School who teaches the coding language Python and JavaScript. She also teaches IT courses where they talk about security, firewalls, and the hardware side of things. So what do you think about Neuralink? You know, thinking about it from both, you know, the standpoint of just the hardware, you know, having a little chip implanted inside your skull <laughs> and what that mm-hmm. means, as well as just the capability of um, the technology to interact directly with the human brain, you mm-hmm. know, sending signals to the brain as well as receiving signals from the brain. Um, yeah, I, I that just poses so many questions on so many levels, you know, health, Mm -hmm. um, security, um, privacy, ethical. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, yeah. So I, I, uh, wanted to bounce off of that and I wanted to ask you, what do you think about, like, is this morally uh, correct? You think that this is something that should be continued with? Like, um, if not, why not? Okay, well, um, again, I think it's a complicated question. You know, when you take a look at um, these, you know, the neural links, and if you take a look at what Elon Musk, you know, the initial sort of um, direction of the project, if you will, you know, he's looking at developing this technology to help people who maybe can't um, communicate in traditional means be able to communicate and to be able to do things. So for instance, you take somebody who's paraplegic, okay? And Mm -hmm. if they can't move arms or legs, um, the ability for them to be able to say, have a thought and have that thought translated into locomotion. So, you know, maybe that would, you know, allow them to be able to move from one room to another in a wheelchair, you know, something like that. I mean, I think that the potential, you know, to help people is significant. And I think it's, you know, worth exploring. I think that when you talk about elective surgery, and you talk about this as a brain enhancement, um, I have, I have concerns there. (laughs) And, And it's hard to, and it's hard to draw the line between those two, right? I mean, because, you know, you put this into somebody's brain, you know, to help them, you're still exposing them to potential harm, right? We've right. heard about computer viruses, for instance. Well, what if this thing gets a virus? You know, mm-hmm. what what implications is that going to have on the brain that's been implanted in? Um, or, you know, I mean, any system can be hacked. Any system can be, you know, any system can has the potential to be misused. Or, you know, mm-hmm. it, technology can be used for good, but it can also be used for malfeasance, it can be used 
um, you know, it could be sabotage, that sort of thing. And so from that's where the moral dilemma, you know, I think comes in that how do you regulate such a thing and how do you prevent that misuse? Um, mm -hmm. And it could be anywhere from intentional misuse to even a, um, you know, a unintended side effect, right? Mm -hmm. so, so, God, yeah, go ahead. Okay, um, yeah. So, so from the moral perspective, I, I just have misgivings. Um, also, I guess the other aspect of that is, you know the potential for it to create this like, you know, quote unquote, super brain. Okay. And mm -hmm. I think to myself about that, you know, why, why are we pushing ourselves to go faster? Mm -hmm. Why are we pushing our brains to go faster? Um, I mean, with technology advances as they are, I think humans are already multitasking more, doing more, um, you know, I noticed this as a teacher, just with students, even just over the past four years, if, you know, if you took students four years ago, and you took students today, I feel that, um, you know, students today are more tech savvy. I mean, they were tech savvy previously, but every generation or every year, I should say, is, you know, even more tech savvy and has technology incorporated in their daily lives even more so. And, you know, what I see with that is, okay, so maybe they are really, really good, you know, um, avid users of technology and can find information like that and look things up and, um, you know, make these connections and that sort of thing. But I'm also seeing that they're unable to focus as well on one particular thing. And, you know, in working very quickly, sometimes you miss things in the moment and you might not make certain connections that you need some time to dwell on in order to make. And so I think that, you know, that's another moral kind of an or ethical aspect as well, that, you know, when you're moving at that kind of hyper speed, you can burn out more easily, you mm -hmm. can get more anxious. Um, and, you know, seeing that without this technology, I just wonder, you know, would you know, taking it to the next level where you don't even have to be, you know, searching on your phone, your thoughts could be, you know, moving you to different information sources, whether it's, you know, websites or whatever the future holds, you know, it, it means that each time a neuron fires, it can be going off somewhere, getting information, bringing it back at lightning speeds before you've even had a chance to consciously process it, moving on to the next thing. And mm -hmm. It, um, it, it's frightening to think about what those side effects would be, you know, especially when, like I said, you know, with students or just people in general being able to, you know, check email and their social media and websites and this and that and seeing everything, you know, um, you know, take the war, you know, going on in uh, Ukraine right now, being able to see that live and seeing, you know, exactly what's happening. I think that it puts a lot of stress on people. And mm -hmm. I think that that can have uh, harmful outcomes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and so if you were the CEO of Neuralink, I mean, how would you uh, protect, you know, this technology from these exploitations, from these like harmful impacts in our daily lives? <laughs> it's interesting you ask that because I think that, 
um, the notion that we can protect it is a very egocentric notion. Um, <laughs> I mean, that really and truly, um, you, it's one of those things where once you release it, um, you know, people find ways around it and, um, you know, you, you could put regulations on it, for instance, you know, government regulations, but somebody can break the law. Um, you mm -hmm. can put security protection, um, but somebody can figure out how to decrypt it. Uh, even, you know, just take a look at, okay, you know, we, we just take a look at the political climate we're in right now. And mm -hmm. we can take a look at social media or news and see how there's different news sources and they target information to different people. And now imagine if you were getting the signals directly to your brain. So you're not even processing the information you're getting on a conscious level, right? When you read mm -hmm. an article, you're doing some processing. And so I think that there's more of an ability, you know, or at least we've, we can train people and have been training people how to hopefully, you know, think about, is this legit? Is this not legit? Is this, you know, what's factual? What's, you know, what's emotional? Um, and to do a little bit of discernment. But now if you skip that step and just have it going straight to the brain, um, mm -hmm. it's even, you know, again, even if you had protections in place, there's, there's things that you wouldn't be protecting against because it's information, right? I mean, the whole purpose of this is to allow information to flow. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think that, I, I mean, really, I don't think we've seen anything yet. You know, we're developing, you know, this, this, um, the neural links are being developed, but nothing's being developed to filter, you know, information, or, or, you know, nothing's being parallel developed with, you know, in mind to, take care of these things. So it's, I think that a lot of times, you know, people get a great idea and they push forward with it without planning for the ramifications. The, you know, it's mm -hmm. always a, um, after the, you know, the bad thing happens and then we respond to it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, somebody breaches the security, so we build a, you know, we build a stronger wall. But, mm -hmm. you know, any wall can be either broken or climbed or gone under or gone around. There's, there's right. you know, there's always a method. So, you, I mean, you could put strong encryption on it um, and, and things like that to keep certain access out. But again, the flip side of it is you're going to want information flowing. And so it's really, I think the greater harm is probably going to be more in that subtle, you know, the brain being able to get these lightning speed information put into it and not necessarily, um, you know, it. I can't imagine you being conscious of it. I mean, mm -hmm. the speeds that they're talking about, it would be like subconscious thoughts and yeah. with subconscious thoughts. That's just dangerous because you, you know, the person may not even be aware that that information is being put in there. That person may not even be, um, they may not have formed an opinion. They may not have, um, well, because it's subconscious, they may not have had a chance to rationalize it or, you know, fact check it, if you will, or, you know, even, I don't know, just, just work through it, analyze mm -hmm. it. And I think that that's, I think that that's actually the greatest harm. And, you know, I mean, if I were a responsible CEO, I would say what I know about technology, that that's a really hard problem to solve. And mm -hmm. it, it might not be solvable. <laughs> okay. 
So then do you possibly also see this being commercialized? Like uh, say Spotify, uh, for instance, will like sell you uh, more uh, storage for your brain to store or for the chip to have a uh, possible more storage or um, you know I've heard this really wild theory about um, companies just like not letting you access your brain at all do you think that this is like a like possible thing with these Neuralinks yes I, I think it's all possible um especially when we're looking at something that's being commercially developed. I mean, if, if we haven't learned anything from capitalism, at least we should <laughs> learn that, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, in, in a lot of cases, companies are beholden to their shareholders and it's about profit margins and making money. And mm-hmm. so it's, you know, maybe I'm just very skeptical here, but um you know, the realist in me says, you know, I, I just, you know, somebody's going to be, you know, th- this is an expensive technology to develop and people are investing in it, which means they have to get their return. So yes, mm-hmm. it's going to be monetized. It's going to be commercialized. Um, and all of those things that you mentioned are, again, possible um, outcomes of that. Um, you know, from the standpoint of locking the brain down, I would hope that um, our, you know, governments would put in place regulations about that. But, you know, sometimes even that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you have, you know, one party in power and they put regulations in place and then another party comes into power and they, you know, believe that regulations inhibit business and remove them. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so, you know, y- you can have this, you um, uncontrollable really outcomes Mm -hmm. so then do you believe that like as of right now even in like the developing stage that there should be more government intervention going on I mean with something like this I would prefer for it to be developed you know by a public entity than a private entity Mm -hmm. um and I would prefer there you know to be that kind of control um you know, I, I really wonder who are going to be the first, you know, guinea pigs as well. You know, mm-hmm. who are they going to be, you know, who are going to be the first test subjects? Um, you know, they talk about choice. I hope that it is choice. But, you know, are the people going to really understand all the ramifications of <laughs> this technology, um, you know, potential harms, physical as well as mental? And I don't know. I mean, just really the possibilities of what could go wrong. Wow. Well, these were, this was everything I had. And thank you so much for taking time out of your day to do this. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. It was great talking to you and just kind of sharing my experiences. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed listening. Have well, a, thank uh, you. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye. Well, that was all for this episode. We'll catch you in the next episode where we step away from Neuralink specifically and look at how technology as a whole has influenced many people. Thank you for listening to In Technology We Trust with Manasi Legamper. If you like our show and want to know more, check out www.intechnologywetrust.com or leave us a review on iTunes.